Welcome back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is Syracuse comedian Justin Jackson. He's one of the funniest guys working upstate. He's a regular at the Funny Bone, and he's one of the co-hosts of the Play With Yourself podcast with RJ McCarthy and Abdul Hadi. That's right. I got all three of them on the podcast. Success. Justin Jackson is awesome. Right before the world started to come to an end, he was able to go home to Michigan and do a show. So good for him. We're all happy for you, Justin. Just so you know, there's a chance that if you downloaded the Justin Brown episode from two weeks ago early, you got this one instead. So you already know about Justin Jackson, so please, by all means, he's worth listening to again. But you missed out on Justin Brown. Go back, download that episode again, and you've got that episode too. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Please like, share, subscribe, tell a friend. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in Thanks so much for being here, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Dude, <laughs> I like doing this podcast because it forces people to hang out with me for a little bit. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you need a yeah. friend during all this, yeah. Mike? Th- through all of this? <laughs> through my entire fucking life, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, ah, I just, how do I do it? How do I get people to like me? Oh, for an hour at a time, they could just talk about themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've known you for a while, but part of the reason I like doing this is I, I get to know know you a little more. Yeah. But yeah, you, so you're from Syracuse, obviously. Uh, you grew up in Detroit, I, right? I grew up in Detroit. Yeah, I've been in Syracuse. Uh, 13 years next month. Why? Did your family move over here or just you? I, I had an uncle that lived here. Then, like, I moved in 2007 from Detroit when Detroit was getting pretty shitty. So, uh, <laughs> I skedaddled out of there and, uh, I had a place to go, which was here, which I visited here a lot growing up. But, um, what happened was my grandmother and aunt came to visit during 4th of July, 2007. And I came with them because I hadn't been in a while. And just like in between July and August, I decided to move here because my uncle offered me a room and I like I just I had to get out of Michigan at the time. I worked with a couple of people when I was working in Maryland uh, and they were from Detroit. They bailed too, right around that time. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was for them it, like the, the factories are just going under. And I know yeah. a buddy of mine worked at a newspaper and he's like, dude, there's nothing. He goes, it was just gone yeah it was uh it was pretty bad like jobs were dropping left and right and crime was at a at its highest around that time you know so yeah i got i got out of there real quick how many people you think uh think of syracuse as an upgrade i did not say that mike i did not i did not say syracuse was an upgrade it's just it's just slightly better it's like a lat it's a lateral move because detroit is still a great city it's like a real city which right. you can't call Syracuse that at all I don't think so it's like there's just pros and cons and uh Detroit is probably better than Syracuse in all aspects right now you know are you still a Lions fan or oh yeah fan? yeah Lions fan I used to watch basketball all the time but it's funny because when I moved here all people watch was uh Syracuse basketball and I didn't like I didn't like college basketball that much so I was like, God, oh, there's nobody watching NBA. So I just kind of like trailed off. People still watch NFL, but nobody watch NBA around here. It was just all SU shit. Yeah, when I was, because I grew up in Binghamton. And back then, like in the 90s, we had the Knicks. 
And I, w- I was always a Timberwolves fan because I didn't want to be a Knicks fan. Yeah. But the Knicks were fucking great. Of course, you had Knicks Bulls, Knicks Pacers, Knicks Heat. So they were always doing something. But Syracuse had John Wallace. And I mean, this was before Jerry McNamara and Carmelo. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Syracuse is like the only college we've got, like the D1 school that everybody yeah. gravitates to. And my grandma was a huge Syracuse fan. Uh, that's it. Like, that's it. Yeah. But, uh, and nobody admitted to the Nets. Like nobody wanted it. Like they would be on MSG. Yeah. They'd be on MSG, and we'd be like, "Fuck that!" Like, yeah, like it looked like, it looked like a G League back then. <laughs> like hey. I feel bad. Like, like so, you're a Pistons fan, and then you move here. You're a Detroit Lions fan. Can you ever shake that? <laughs> shake being a Lions fan? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm a like. I'm a home team guy when it comes to sports teams. It's like it's Red Wings, Pistons, Lions, and uh, like Tigers. I don't watch. 75 percent of those sports but i like if it's on and like um with some friends and they're going against the detroit team i'm rooting for the detroit team no matter what so if i just threw out like uh like ryan forsberg or whatever like i think he played with the red wings like if i threw out a hockey team a hockey player you would know it or no <laughs> hell no <laughs> I, would, I would know like 96 through like 2003 red wings and that that'd probably be it you know like I know up to Pavel Datsuk, and after okay. that, it's that's it. Can you spell it? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's uh, no. I was thinking about it. I was P A V E L. There you go. Maybe I don't know. I remember Dominic Hasek and yeah. Steve. Remember, I I think it was I don't know if it was Clinton or or Ted Kennedy. Somebody couldn't say uh, Steve Eiserman. Yeah, like, like Steve Weiserman. It's like oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> just 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 watch Sports Center once. And yeah, right, exactly. So what got you into comedy? Uh, just fucking stumbled into it, really, man. Like I had my my parents always said growing up that you should be a comedian. Like you're you you're so silly and I like I I was like kind of the class clown where the only way I connected with people was like just trying to make them laugh or just being a goofball and my parents always said like uh, you're you're the comedian or whatever but I never thought past it like past that description of me but uh, what happened was my first couple of years here my girlfriend at the time we were just trying to figure out stuff to do in the area i moved here i moved to baldwinsville and baldwinsville is just like you know have you ever been around here or i think i've been through baldwinsville yeah it's just like small town nothing to do really so we were like looking on craigslist for stuff to do not like bad craigslist but we were just looking for like events around the area to do and i saw a uh we saw an open mic like a comedy open mic we were like oh that sounds kind of cool it was like five minutes down the road like oh we'll check that out and uh i watched it a few times i was like yo this looks a lot of fun like and it's funny because i I looked at it like and like i don't think i don't have this like mindset anymore but i looked at it like i i could i think i can be funnier than that guy and he's He's been doing it for a while, you know. So, that, like, that's like that's what got me into it. And I did an open mic and got absolutely wasted, and still did well. And I was like, oh, that was fun. Like, I could see myself coming back. And I've just been doing it ever since then. Did you go back the next week? Oh uh, yeah, I, like I just started going after that consistently. And that was what six, seven years ago. Dude, uh, this year was my tenth year. No shit. Yeah. 
And you celebrated it with a pandemic. <laughs> exactly. There's no, no celebration. Is there anybody still around Syracuse from that time? Oh, around that time? No. Yeah, okay. Like, I'm trying to think. Everybody that's, like, there's people still living in Syracuse, but they don't do comedy anymore. Like, I haven't seen them do comedy. And for, I don't know if you, you, you wouldn't even know the name Steve Sorensen. No, no. No, yeah, he he was the one one of the people that was going to the mic at the time and like he's the only name I can think of but yeah they everybody stopped doing it from when I started the name Tim Warner came up a lot a while ago and he was I, this is my fourth year yeah so I missed him entirely yeah so I don't know if he was back then or what no I didn't I didn't come across him when I started like when he moved back during that time from the city. Uh, that was my first time. Not my first time seeing him because somebody reminded me that he did come and do a uh, some showcase the Funny Bone hat, and I, ha- I just hadn't remembered. But when he came, when he moved back, it's like when I actually met him for the first time. So, how much has changed in the Syracuse scene since you know 2010 to now? Oh, honestly, it's it's dwindled yeah. a lot because when like my second or third year in. It's when I started seeing like other Syracuse names come up that you see today. It's like when um, like I started seeing uh, Travis Blunt, Anna Phillips, Mr. Jackson name on uh, comedy flyers and all that stuff. And we were just kind of passing ships. We because uh, there wasn't a lot of not a lot. There wasn't hardly any open mics at all in Syracuse. And like all the shows I were I was doing were. Just like booked events, like we would book a venue and do comedy there. There wasn't a lot of open mics except for Wise Guys, which people kind of stayed away from for the most part. Like there was a what there was like a span of a year where everybody was back and forth from Wise Guys when they started really opening up the open mic where you didn't have to uh, pay to do it essentially because they used to do like workshops and then you perform after the workshop, but. Because, like, now a lot of those, like, I mean, Jackson and uh, Blunt are around still, but, yeah, Anna's gone, and she used to. Yeah, she's in Baltimore. Yeah, she she used to do a lot around here. It's just been, like, a slow downhill decline, you know? Because now, once all this ends, I don't don't think there's any mic ready to start back up right away, you know, because we lost those days. Yeah, I think there's one going to be on a Tuesday or something like that at Mikey's or something like that. If but who if, knows? If Paul Ellinger doesn't move, he just made a post about him moving to Cleveland or some shit oh, like geez. that. So yeah, that he made a post about that starting back up. But if he moves, that's it. You know, that's so weird because I remember when I first started going to Syracuse, there were three. There were three mics plus the yeah. funny bone, and you know, I don't know if uh, O'Day's had regular shows, but like there was always something happening right in the city, and it's just. It's it just seems wrong that we, it's we, gone. Yeah, we consistently had Giorgio days for years, like six, seven years, and now it's just the event. Like it's not even no days anymore. You know, it's just some. I don't even know if anybody bought it yet, but it's gone. It's 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 weird to think about. Do you feel pressure to keep something going because you've been there for ten years? No. How do you get to that point? Because I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just having tried to start things here in Syracuse and it's just being tough because, I don't know, for some reason, like, a lot of people are scared to keep coming back to Syracuse to do comedy. I'm not out-of-towners because people come from Binghamton, 
Like Utica guys yeah, yeah. just started coming this a lot more this year. Like Larry O'Grady has been coming for years, but it like expanded to other people. Nobody from Rochester comes because they have more than they need anyway, you know. But starting things here, like it's hard to get people that want to do comedy in Syracuse to keep coming to doing comedy in, like in Syracuse because it's tough here, man. Like if you don't have thick skin, like I, I, I see why a lot of people like that want to do comedy for years just stop coming to old days because it's not easy, you know. No, that's got to be the hardest mic that I've been to. It might not be, but fresh in my mind, that's the hardest mic I've ever been to. Yeah, but, but when something works you know it's going to work everywhere. Exactly. I don't think a lot of people understand that. It's like, if you can get that room to laugh, you got something. Not necessarily saying that um, if a joke bombs or if it doesn't get what you thought it would, that it's not a good joke. It just, you come back the next week to try to get that premise or joke to work. And people don't like that. They, They see something bomb once and they're just like, oh, I'm done, you know? And they just stop coming back to the mic. I've seen it like plenty of times before. Yeah. I just, I just looked at it like a, ta- like a challenge. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I, I get that work. I remember having a really fucking great set there. And then I was on such a high that I left and went and got my first guest spot. Like at, uh, at the <laughs> yeah. I, I legitimately, I, I was going to ask for something uh, after my set anyway, but the set went so well. Then I'm like, fuck it. I went, I drove, asked uh, Lori for a spot. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I drove back and I told people I got a spot. Like, <laughs> I'm, yeah. If I had that momentum from a good set of the days, what the fuck can go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing like, could go wrong here. Yeah, that, that room, uh, or days is, uh, is tough because even if you, uh, sometimes when I'll have a good set on a Thursday show at a, at the Funny Bone, which is also, a, it's a pretty hard room, I'll come over to O'Day's and then just try to do the same jokes and it's just like no nah, man take that we we heard that last week you know yeah but yeah old days like we're we're for sure gonna miss it and like that was our last like solid thing that we had as syracuse comedians because a few years ago two or three at this point is when funk and waffles closed and that was like we thought that was never going anywhere and then just like that it was gone so yeah syracuse is a very hard city to do comedy in you know do you think people don't go there because it's dangerous at all or or is it just the the fact that it can be perceived as a cold room cold room okay yeah because I don't know. I I just don't. I don't. I know I'm not a very warm comedian. Like what you like, you can't just you can't come on too strong with me because I'm just like whoa, like time out, back up. But I feel like a lot of Syracuse comedians are like that, and it kind of scares people who aren't that comfortable with it, like away from doing comedy with, like, say me in a room. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't know. People, I, don't, I have no idea exactly why. That's just my guess. You know. I think I talked to, to RJ about this, RJ McCarthy, and he was irritated because like there's a perception of like this click. Right. And like there's no denying that that you and, and RJ and Abdul Hadi and Corey Swinson, you all hang out together. We're friends, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like like I remember just, just walking in the room to describe it. Like you walk in and then to the right, you guys are, are sitting sitting at a table because you like each other. Right. But it almost gave out this 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 air like, oh, that's the cool kids table. But it's like I can sit there and I've never once sat at a cool kids table. <laughs> right. It's like, like that's the thing. Like we By the way, you didn't need to agree to that so quickly. <laughs> hey, Mike, you said it. You said it. <laughs> but yeah, no, like we're we we're friends. And the thing about it is 
like when we started becoming like closer friends, this place called Jay Ryan's was open in Syracuse and we would just invite everybody out to just have drinks and stuff or just hang out after show and everybody didn't come out to it, you know? Like and that's fine for them, but that's how we became closer. We started hanging out besides doing comedy, started like talking about our battles in comedy together, just like tough rooms and all that. And then like we just became closer. People do perceive that as like we're a clique, like we're holding everybody else back from doing comedy. It's like, no, we're we have a group that wants to consistently do comedy together or just hang out together, you know? Yeah, and like it's it's no secret that you're funny, RJ is funny, Abdul's funny. Well, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but Corey Smithson is really good, and Steve Rogers is you know obviously he's in New York City now. But like, right. like you guys hung out together, but also you hung out together at every fucking mic. Like you went to every mic. Right. We so like, like we learned from each yeah, other. Exactly. exactly. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. People didn't like there was there was drama. Like five, I would say five years ago of people making Facebook posts, but not like calling people by names, just making Facebook posts about this comedy click in Syracuse, just because we were all, we were all, we all were working together. If we can get each other on shows because we were friends, we would do that, you know, or if we would travel together, even if somebody wasn't on a show per se, we would just go to shows together. And I don't know, for some reason, people didn't like that, which was weird. And it was just, I don't know, it was like a little bit of a jealousy thing. But well, that's what I was going to say. I, th- I think it's probably rooted in, well, you know, if, if you and RJ are on the same show, it's like, well, RJ only got the show because Justin's there. Justin yeah. only got the show because RJ's there. I think, you know, I've probably done this, to, not to you guys, because I'm talking to you, but like, <laughs> like I've probably done this in my head where like, oh, well, the only reason she's on that show is because she's dating him or whatever, like just to satisfy my ego. Yeah. But at a certain point, you're funny. Like you, you have to admit that these five guys, these six guys, whatever the number is, they're legitimately talented. Yeah, and like also, I feel like with all of us, like if you put all of us in a group, you could pick three different people from that group of friends you described. And I feel like we all complement the show really well together. You know, like we've done really good shows because we all do different types of comedy and i don't know we i don't know i feel like we fit a show well together and i book you three uh abdul rj and you uh together a lot and part of it is because abdul needs a ride all right you know that that helps but you guys play you get along well i mean so it's not going to be an issue but you play well off each other so it doesn't matter and obviously i can count on all three of you to be funny right yeah which is a huge thing it's it's weird that people are against that I don't know. It's a certain group of comedians. I don't know if like they just don't like us or just don't like us together. But yeah, it's just Syracuse comedy is split into like two and a half groups, I'll say, because there is a whole other comedy scene on uh, the SU campus, I guess, which Jack Flew, he's a part of and he he does comedy wherever because he wants to do comedy, you know, like any I'm not sure if he's ever coming back here, but he wants to do comedy. So he'll any stage time he can get. He doesn't care who the group is, but they're like, did you? Oh, you've done Sharky shows. Yeah, I've done at least I've done one. No, I did two Sharky shows. Yeah. Yeah, they they were interesting. Yeah. like And I feel like there's a group that purely goes to Sharky's that won't do it at O'Day's because they think it's 
a group or clique mentality. Like I've had somebody say, like, you guys don't laugh. That's why I don't go to a days. And it's like, no, man, that's not our fault. Like if, if you can, you're supposed to keep coming back. Like, oh, they didn't laugh this week. I try to get them this week. But like, just because we don't laugh or the room doesn't laugh, people just, they separate us from like the rest of the scene, which is weird, but like, I don't care. I'm just going to do comedy, you know? Yeah. I would have more of a, I would have more respect for them if they had gone to, you know, a Mike Iran or a Mike in Rochester. But if you just stay at O'Day's, if you just stay at Sharky's, if you just stay at Kelly's, wherever the mic is, how the hell are you going to grow? Exactly. Yeah. Like you're doing, you're not like evolving your comedy, you know, because there is like a couple of years ago was when I started finally doing shows in the South. And you do have to have that experience to adapt because they're not going to laugh at the same shit that a Syracuse room will laugh at. But if you're just doing your comedy in like whatever you want to think a safe a safe space is, then you're you're limiting yourself. You're not going to learn very much. How are the shows in the South? They're hard. They're they're not easy, but like you got to just find a way to relate to that crowd to like any crowd really. But they're they're just different people. They don't think about things the same way we do up here, you know. But it's like, I don't know, you just still kind of do do what you're comfortable with and what you know. But it, there is like kind of a, a way you have to present it to relate it to them, you know. How so? Like, because uh, I, I, you don't have a whole lot of like Syracuse material. No, right? I when I first started, I did a lot of that. And it was just like a crutch. And then like, I'll do Syracuse jokes every now and then, like, especially if I do a hosting set at the funny bone, but I kind of don't want to do that, you know, because a lot of the headliners don't like it. They don't like when you just do like local material, but I don't know. I just, I try to stray away from it for the most part because it's just, they're easy to write, you know, because if I do a joke about Fulton and Syracuse, it's just like the podunk town that people make fun of. So they're going to they're going to laugh, you know? So it's just too easy, I guess. So I just try not to do it as much as I used to. Well, how'd you get into Funny Bone? Just working towards it. Like when Lori took over the club, I actually got the opportunity to work there because like the guy before her, he Steven Rogers, he would help me out a lot. Try to he was like whenever they were looking for a person to fill a show, Steve would throw him my name, like, oh, you got to get him on. He's he's funny. And I, I would only do those shows because, I don't know, for whatever reason, the, the guy just, he didn't like something about me. He didn't want to use me. And, like, that's how that's a lot of how stand-up is, unfortunately. Like, because, like, when Lori came in, I did a couple of guest spots and she just started booking me. Like, she, I guess she liked me or liked what she saw on stage. Was like, oh, I can use him. And that just... That just got me right in the door, like right, almost right away when she took over, just being there, you know? I would go say hi, just ask for a guest spot every now and then, try not to bombard her, and eventually she just started booking me, which was great. That's how I got a lot of my work, you know? Was that four or five years ago? Yeah, yeah, like four years ago is when I first started like getting consistent work at the club. Do you still ask for guest spots? I mean, obviously not now, but... uh, No, kind of, like I... I didn't because it wasn't like if I want, if I really wanted stage time before a sh- another show I had, if like I didn't, if I didn't get enough at O'Day's, I would ask for a guest spot. But now I just kind of left it for 
other people because a lot of a lot more people started asking because we started telling people if you want to get a guest spot you ha- you have to ask you have to do it so that's like that's when Mike Terry he started getting guest spots then he eventually got booked it was like uh, you just kind of want to if you if you're in the club already you just kind of want to leave it for other people to try to get opportunities because it was no like I was it was stage time it was progression but. It wasn't necessary for me, you know? Yeah, it would be kind of like you're you're closing off the door for somebody else. Yeah, I mean, for the most part. But people also just weren't asking that much. But, I don't know, five minutes at the club is fun. Like, the only time I would really ask also is if another comedian I know from out of town, like from the city or from somewhere else I met, uh, was coming in town, I would ask to get on a, a, a guest spot just to be on the show with them and hang out, you know? But for the most part, like once I got in the club, I tried to like slowly trailed off from asking for guest spots just because it was it wasn't really necessary. I think you hosted the first time I did a guest spot there. It was like Quint Patterson was headlining. Yes. yes. And uh, I, I love that show because like I think my set went OK. But but Quint, I remember he had, he said as soon as we got done, he goes, hey, man, we got to go thank everybody for showing up. I'm like, all right. So I'm like following him. Who and he was the nicest guy. Probably he is. is. Yeah, he is. But, like you know, he had a great set, and everybody came. I'm standing right next to him. Everybody came up to him and said, "Hey, thanks so much, man." Four people said, "Hey, good job too." Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Damn it, wrong place." Yeah, those well, those shows are like that anyway because especially if you host them or the guest spot, you for sure get forgotten about because like even if you have, I've had like really good sets and it's just like the entire show is just stacked they just remember the feature and the headliner more just because like you were up there for 10 minutes during a hour and 30 minute show you know and you just you just get used to that (laughs) you know how easy is that or how difficult is it to keep that ego in check oh uh it's easy because eventually you just stop going out (laughs) <laughs> you stop <laughs> like there's been like towards like the last few years it just got to a point where it was just like i don't need to be out there i don't need people to say hi or you know because it first of all like if you're the host it's it's not really your show and like you you do learn that really fast where you just like they people don't care that you hosted the show they barely remember your jokes i've had people like i just i just sat and watched shows and not performed on them with like my friends or whatever and i'll just be standing out there with them and they were like oh you were really good too because they maybe saw me three weeks ago doing this like doing a show there (laughs) and they they said like oh you were good too i was like yeah i wasn't on the show ma'am but thank you they said because they're just because they're trying to be nice so i'm just like yeah i don't need to be out there at all unless i'm unless i want to sell something you know i know when i'm hosting the shows i produce I, I love hosting it, but I know when the show ends, some people will come up, not to me, but they'll come up to comedians. And I love the fact that I get to clean up because yeah. <laughs> that just keeps me insulated. And like, I don't need to go and, you know, watch people say good job to Justin. I can just stay <laughs> and wrap this wire and pretend, right. pretend I'm too busy to, to hear anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there any uh, anybody you really enjoyed hosting for or featuring for at the Funny Bone? Oh, let me think about that. Like there's just there's people that come through that if I see their name on there, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun weekend. I feel like the biggest name for that is uh, Guy Tory. I don't oh, okay. know if you're, yeah, you're familiar. No, I, know, with- I know the name. I'm not his material. 
Yeah, he's like just from like he does stand up too. He's been doing that for years. But he's like from a, like a lot of movies. But it was just straight up fun working with him because you see this guy that you saw in all these like awesome movies, and then you just get there and he's just like shooting the shit with you down to earth. Just because I remember the first my first big weekend at the Funny Bone was with him, and it's when I met uh, Kenny Garcia. Which is, I love working with him too. Like, we've become friends over the, I went to, I was in his, not in his wedding, but I went to his wedding. My first, that was my first big weekend there was him and Guy Tory. And we went to the movies together. Like, we hung out, had lunch. And I, it just like, it, it kind of put me in a mindset of like, is it this cool each time, you know? And it's, it's for sure not, but you still get those like good experiences when you're with a headliner that just wants to, hang out and like be with the people or just not be uh like i don't know some people just like to hang out in a hotel room for the whole weekend and that'd be it but that guy tory is definitely one of them uh that's the only name that comes to mind off the top of my head but there's there's been a lot of features that are just cool to work with too well it's funny that you said that you went to the movies with him because i think the i don't know if you worked with him because i think steve was hosting but paulie shore was headlining that Quinn Patterson show, and he wouldn't let anybody in the green room. I hung out with Steve that weekend just because he couldn't be in the green room, and it was just weird. You know, him, like even Quinn, because I don't know, if you're a comedian, you kind of, I won't speak for everybody, but if you're doing shows at a club like that, you kind of, I, I don't want to be out there, especially because those shows were packed. I don't want to be out there just sitting amongst the people and then getting on stage after that. It's just, for me, that's weird. So, like, they were just, like, trying to hang out in the sound booth or just standing in the hallway or at the bar. And that's that's kind of messed up because we're all doing the same thing, you know? If you want your peace and quiet, like, we want to be able to just sit somewhere, write, or just hang out in between shows or during the show, you know? And I have to worry about not having a place, you know, it's if you're on a show and you don't have a place, it's just weird. Cause you're just, yeah. Well also like that, that's your home court. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like he basically kicked you out of your green room. Yeah. I got kicked out of the green room once for like, <laughs> I, like I'm just gonna, yeah, I don't care. Her, I don't know if you know who Lou Nail is. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, I got a weekend with her. It wasn't supposed to be my weekend. Like somebody else canceled. And it was one of those things where Lori texted me the Thursday of the show. Like, are you busy this weekend? I just happened to not be. Oh, no, I actually did have a show at O'Day's that weekend. It was on a Saturday. And with stuff like that, like RJ, like it was the show RJ was running. And he under, like, understands to take, if you get a full weekend at the Funny Bone, yeah, he 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 understands if you cancel his one Saturday show because you know it's easier to replace, and he just understands that. Yeah, you take the money at that point. Yeah, of course. You know, but I was supposed to do Saturday show, so I canceled on RJ. Told Lori I can do it. I'm like, oh, Lou Nail, like I know that name, and it should be a pretty good weekend. So, uh, first show, she just she came in a room, and I love like headliners that just come in a room kind of on fire, and uh. She came in the room. I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? It's nice to meet you. She was like, you better not say the N-word. I'm just like, I don't, I usually don't say the N-word ever in my sets. So, okay, that's fine. He was like, oh, and she was just like, ah, oh, just be funny or whatever. I was like, all right, 
we're doing comedy. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to do that part, too. Like, I, I got to be funny without saying an N-word? What do you mean? First of all, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so, like, it was like, it, that was already a thing. And then, so after the first show, it was just, uh, and I think it started on Friday, actually. It wasn't a Thursday show. And uh, after first show Friday, I was just in the green room waiting for my food or whatever. And uh, she came in because she did her meet, like not a meet and greet, but she sold merch on stage, which a lot of, that was the first time I saw that because most people just go out into the hallway. And um, she after she came in, I was just hanging out just on my phone. And she goes, uh, you know, back in my day, uh, the the MC or the host never hung out with the like never sat in a green room with the headliner. I was like, oh, okay. She was like, yeah, because um, headliners kind of need their space and like time by themselves. I was like. Okay, all right. Do you want me to leave? And she was like, "Yeah, like just uh, we kind of want this room to our because she had like a a road manager and her feature she brought with her." And I was like, "Okay, that's that's fine." And she goes, "You know, next time, just if you work with somebody like uh, me or Tony Rock, and like a guy like Tony Rock doesn't want like the MC hanging out with them in the green room." Now, mind you, like not even two or three months before that, Tony Rock was at the Funny Bone and I was just there to watch the show, wasn't on the show. He walked by me and it was like, oh, you a comedian? He was like, oh, come hang out in the back with us. <laughs> it's like, no, just because you have like, just because you're kind of a bitch doesn't mean everybody is like that. You know, it's just weird that she put that on other people. It's just like, no, that's just you. I wonder how people get the audacity to ask that. Like, I, I don't. Like, I if somebody was sitting in my seat, I wouldn't know how to ask them to move. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm the same way, you know? It's like, it was just weird. So I, the whole weekend, it was just, I was just miserable the whole weekend because, like, I just hung out in the sound booth, which is uh four, like, not even four, but it's like a three by four room <laughs> with, like, uh, two other people in it, like, going back and forth. And I'm just sitting in there on my phone and... Dude, fucking the second show, one of the second shows didn't end until almost like two o'clock in the morning because she did like two hours on stage. I was just miserable the whole weekend. It's just like you get like a weekend like Guy Tory where you're just having a blast and then you get one of those weekends that just completely grounds you and you're like, okay, it's not, it's all different. None of it is the same. Did you get like a hazard bump in your pay? <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> but no, it was just that's just like my experience. There's just there's there's some in betweens, but a lot of it's just like yikes, you know. Like So you've been doing it ten years. Like, do you have a goal like to to become an asshole who can who can get like do you see Lunell and be like, Yeah, well, you know, I know she's a bitch now, but wait till I get there. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just gonna like I I don't know. I don't see myself changing like that. If I get to a certain level, because I don't know, I'm just like, if she's like that now, she started that way, you know, like that didn't just like come to her. Same with Paulie Shore. Like, I don't know if he's like a straight up asshole, but that's an asshole move for sure. Just demanding the whole green room to yourself for the whole weekend. But like, like, I wouldn't even think he's, I think he's an asshole for doing it. But (laughs) when you think about the two people he kicked out, you know, Quint Patterson 
beautiful guy. Steven Rogers, can you imagine anybody being mean to him? Exactly. Like they they were Quinn and Steve were just gonna chill in the green room and just be happy with themselves. You know, they weren't gonna bother anybody, but you already kick them out without knowing anything about him is weird it's a weird move well i know i was doing the guest spot and i steve was the first guy to see me and he goes hey come on back come on back and he goes hey we're going to the green room and then i think it was him i think he told me maybe quint told me it's like oh yeah this is oh no steve definitely he goes yeah this is the first day we're allowed in the green room and it's <laughs> oh just, yeah yeah <laughs> jesus christ man oh that was that weekend right it was a sunday yeah, yeah yeah because quinn was the feature i do okay i do remember that do you remember your worst show of all time oh it was very early in uh like in my career where like i said when i first started every gig i was doing was just a booked gig so i had i had no idea even how to handle myself at an open mic you know because like i mean that i started at an open mic but i didn't know what they were for actually you know i just thought people got up there and just did comedy i didn't know it was like you're working on stuff you know so this was like my second or third year i think it was like third year where I got booked on a show at the Palace Theater. And is that in Auburn? No. They they have no, what, why am I thinking that? Is it they the, have I think there theirs might be called the Pal- Palace Theater too, but there the, there's one in Syracuse as well. Well I was thinking like Detroit, like Palace at Auburn Hills. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that the Piston Stadium or or, Not uh, anymore. They just blew that shit up like okay, two, but, okay, two weekends that, ago. <laughs> that, no shit. Yeah. I know that. They just demolished it like very recently. But yeah, no, there's the Palace of uh, Auburn, okay. Auburn Hill, right. Hills. Yeah. But uh, I got booked at the Palace Theater with the guy I started with and uh, just got up there. It was like, oh, I'm funny. At this point, I'm like, oh, I'm funny. I can just get up there and uh, just tell people anything and I'm going to crush it. And I got up there. It just completely treated it like an open mic. Had no idea how to like my jokes were structured or how I should tell them, and just completely and utterly ate shit. Just I got nothing for like fifteen minutes, and I was after that I was like, "Yo, is this? Am I cut out for this? I have no idea because that was that was not fun, and I don't want that to happen ever again." You know. After that, I had the guy because. Like, and a lot of comedians don't know this. Like you try to uh, tell like a guy starting, but you have to keep reusing stuff, oh, especially yeah. at the beginning. Like if you find something that works, don't get up there and try to do something new each time. Keep working on that stuff. And I didn't know that at the time. So I just get up there because I invited people I knew and I was like, oh, they heard all of these jokes before. I got to get up there. And do something different, you know, and you know, it just doesn't doesn't work like that. I you got to kind of treat every show like everybody in the audience has never seen before, you know, and like I learned that hard that night because it was brutal. So how long did it take you to recover from that? Oh, a little bit, not like too long, because I did have another show coming up already. So I just kind of had to like after that, the guy told he was like uh, his name's KD. He was like. You just got, you gotta, like, you have this funny stuff. I don't know why you didn't use it that night. Cause you, you've worked on, like, you've done it before and you kind of have to do that. You have to, it's, it's repetition. That's all comedy is for the most part. It's just repetition where if you get something that works, you start, like, you, you build a five minutes, you build 10, 15, you know, eventually until you have a lot, like, you can start doing feature stuff or like headlining, like B and C rooms, but, 
yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I <laughs> I rambled so long that I completely lost the train of thought. So all of it was completely funny and entertaining. <laughs> oh, so you're, yeah, I, I believe you. <laughs> I, you're wearing a Nintendo shirt. Yes. Are you brand loyal to video games? At this point, I am. I've been loyal to uh, Sony for years now. Like I, I love my PlayStation 2. And I did end up buying an Xbox 360 after that. And I didn't have a great experience with that. So I'm just like, I'm a Sony guy now. Like if like there's there's new consoles coming out the end of this year, I'm going to buy the Sony just because I know they work and I know what to expect from them. I was always a Nintendo guy. Yeah. And, and then I have the only systems I have, I have Super Nintendo and a PlayStation 2. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> That's it. And I and I just bought the PlayStation 2 last year. Oh shit. Yeah. So you're kind of behind in your Oh, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I didn't know you were a gamer. Like I like you're you're doing uh the Play With Yourself podcast with RJ and Abdul. Yeah. I heard that and I'm like, okay, I didn't know you were into video games at all. Yeah. Well, the past there was a time, there was like a gap where I didn't play anything. And this was like like three years ago, there was like a two year gap where I just wasn't playing a lot of video games. But like right before we started the podcast, which we're going on a year, like next month or something like that, is when I started trying to get because I do love video games. Like I've loved them. Like I started my first console was Nintendo when I was like four or five years old. Like my mom got me like got it for me. My mom or grandmother. But uh, first game I ever played was Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah. What? Well, how old are you now? I'm 35. Okay, I'm 37. So I got my first Nintendo in 89. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's so, yeah. around the exact same time I got mine. Yeah. Because it, it was before I was five because we moved when we were when I was five. And I remember having that at the old apartment. But first thing I ever played was Mario. I was like, yo, this is this is amazing. Like I before that, I didn't know video games were, you know, because I didn't have my, my dad or mom didn't have an Atari that they had left over or anything. So they got me that, and I've literally been hooked ever since then. Like, I've, I get every new generation of consoles. I've I've gotten one, one of them, either Sega or Nintendo or Sony or Xbox, you know? I think the first game that really hooked me was Super Mario 3. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I remember taking my entire system from my parents' house to my grandparents' house when I was going there for a couple weeks, beat Super Mario 3, I still don't know if there's a better Mario game than that one. Uh, yeah, it's Super hard. Mario World. Now, remember, I'm only up to Super, <laughs> Mar- or Super Nintendo. Yeah, so, like I'm sure there's better ones, but like that I played, I don't know. I love Super Mario Two and Three and I, Super Mario World. I feel like I want to say, without being wrong, that Super Mario Brothers Three is generally like a top five Mario oh, really? Brothers game. I, th- I feel like it is because, I mean, original Mario is, is fun. It was fine for the time, but I feel like Mario Brothers 3 is kind of timeless. Like, you can still pick that up and play it right now and have a blast with it, you know? But yeah, I feel like that's top five, but Super Mario Brothers 64, that's all. I feel like that's on my top five. I feel like that game was, it was groundbreaking for me at the time because it was like the first 
true 3D Mario, and it was awesome. I, I can't be the only one, but I've listened to every one of the podcast episodes, and I don't know what, what episode it is, but I think my favorite moment is when you and RJ, it seemed like you were coming to a fist fight. And I, I don't remember the argument, but it's like you you were arguing not completely differing viewpoints, but I think it was almost like a, a s- semantics argument. Oh, uh, which I, I feel like there's been two of those. And one of them was like the um, how the like how the when once they reveal like the new Xbox, like how it looks. And I was just that's the one it wasn't. Yeah, because I was just saying, like, I don't like the way it looks. And RJ's like, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine for me. And it's just that, that was fun. That was well, like, fun. I, I think I told Abdul, too. It's like, like, I, I just got this picture because I, I know you all. I know all three of you. And it's like you and RJ are fighting and Abdul's over there like, I hope they don't break up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well abdul was chiming in too which he was like he he chimes in sometimes just to like fuck with one of us but yeah that was uh that was fun i, I mean like it, it definitely didn't get to like the fist fight like portion but i do like having those like heated debates like that one was just dumb because yeah. we, there was nothing to really argue <laughs> but we we definitely argued about that uh, the second one was um we argued about Doom, like, because uh, I started on like the hardest difficulty, and RJ was like, oh, "That's right, <laughs> yeah, that was that was the other that was the other fight." But yeah, like, oh, yeah. We, we generally you, agree. If you if you three are playing, like, are you the better one? Yeah, it depends on the game okay. because we at this point, I I don't really care for Nintendo. Like, I, I haven't played it on the Nintendo since Wii, just because I don't. Know, it's just not for me anymore. And so, like, we did, RJ had Super Smash Brothers on his Switch. And, like, I wasn't terrible, but I don't know how to play those games anymore. Like, those, that controller, like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So, like, Abdul was doing really well with that because he still, he still plays those kind of games. Or he's still familiar with them. But, um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a statement that they, they can't argue. I, I'm the better video game player than both of them. They're not <laughs> nobody's gonna, arguing right now. They're not going to listen to my episode, so they're not going to hear this. But I, I don't even think they listen to their episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I definitely am a better video game player than both of them. My best friend Jeff, who also doesn't listen to this episode, uh, <laughs> we played Super Nintendo. Like we were always player one, player two. I was always player one. I think because I don't know, I'm, I'm just an asshole. And, <laughs> and but like we'll play, we'll play NBA Jam. We yeah. cannot play with somebody else. Like, like if he and I are on the same team, we're good. If we have to pick somebody else, the chemistry is completely off. <laughs> oh, really? It's, oh, yeah. it's terrible. We were playing in that game at his bachelor, or not his bachelor party, but like the day before his wedding. And he was playing with somebody else and it just didn't, they were losing. And uh, they're like, Jeff's like, Mike, take over. And I grabbed the controller and we just fucking hose the computers. Like, we, <laughs> yeah. just like, like, okay, it was like a magic trick because we knew each other so well. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I can't, I can't play with anybody else but my buddy. Yeah. No, I, I definitely still, I make fun of those two because they don't, they don't play games on hard difficulty settings. Yeah. And that's just like a running joke in our podcast. Cause like I'll make fun of Abdul because he just starts games on easy 
And that's very easy to make fun of for me. So I definitely do it. Well, there was one time where RJ blew up on you. He goes, dude, I just want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm not having fun playing my video game. <laughs> What's it like working with two of your best friends? Oh, I love it. Like, I like the podcast, once we started it, and after like the first like two or three episodes, I was like, oh, shit, like this is like we have something, you know? Like it's it's very smooth. It's like we we flow really well just because we are friends and we do talk to each other outside of comedy and podcasts. So I love it. Like I love our podcast together. And um, yeah, like we're gonna keep it going for as long as we can. But like the only thing we like we I don't think nobody admitted it at first. But once we started doing having to do Zoom episodes. Yeah. We were like, this isn't, this doesn't feel the same, you know, as far as like being in different rooms, trying to talk about these things we love. It was just like the disconnect was there. So I think RJ said at first, he was like, like, this isn't fun doing these Zoom episodes. So we just, fi- we finally started getting back together and doing it. They're going to come over here tomorrow probably and do it. Well, you only missed one week, right? When RJ moved? No. Well, once we started getting back, no, no, we missed, we missed, we did a bunch, a few Zoom episodes. No, no, no. I mean, like you, like one week, you didn't have an episode. Like, like oh you, yes, you, yeah, you recorded yeah. every week. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was the one week we missed the whole time, pretty much. No, there was a there was a snowstorm. And, oh, that's right, that's right. Just after the pandemic. Yeah, there was a snowstorm and we couldn't record. But RJ has something else he could upload for that week. But yeah. yeah, I remember it was like the something he and Mike did together. It was like a yeah, yeah. thirty minute infomercial on <laughs> I don't know, like schizophrenia. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that something you wanted to keep doing? Like the because you had a podcast with Corey Smithson. Yeah. Uh, and that was really Buzzing the Beard, I think. Yeah, but, but um, uh, what the fuck was the name of it? I don't even remember. <laughs> Beard and Buzz Podcast. Yeah. Beard and but Buzz. that was that was good too. Like, could you see yourself podcasting for you know the conceivable future? Yeah, I, I don't know. I I really love podcasting because it's it is another way to like get some creativity out. You know. Like Corey and I, we just talked about like general topics, but it was still fun to get thoughts out with like your friend across the table. Like I, I like podcasting, like whatever. I mean, we're going to do this as long as we can, like I said, but like I do want to think about the future of that and what like the next idea is for me. Like right now I started doing my own thing with Twitch streaming, which is another way I kind of want to get like some creativity out as far as the type of streams that I do and all of that stuff. Now that's just, that's you recording your game and then talking over it like a play by play. No, it's just, it's live. It's complete. Like the ones I put out are completely live. So you're watching me play a game as I'm playing it, you know? And like, I've just figured out a schedule that I want. Like for instance, like I'm going to, like the my Monday stream is going to be is called uh, No Money Monday, where I find a game on uh, the PlayStation Store that's under ten dollars and just buy it and see if it's a, like just play it live and kind of review it live, see if it's a good game without like looking at reviews or anything and like shading my view of it, but. Yeah, it's just something I'm I'm going to start doing Monday. So it's like Mondays are going to be that. Wednesdays are going to be some sort of uh, competitive gaming of any kind, like Call of Duty or something like that. Just not Fortnite. You won't ever see me playing Fortnite. Why is that? I don't know. It's, I just don't like it. 
I just I want to shoot stuff. I don't want to have to shoot stuff and build buildings while I'm shooting stuff. It's too much. Like I I'm decent at video games, but I am old, so I, I can only think of one thing at once, and it's just shoot a gun. I don't want to have to build a fort around myself as I'm shooting. I, that game just never caught on for me. But yeah, like I I got that. Like I finally bought equipment for it and all of that stuff. So I'm gonna be doing that consistently. I think this is pretty ingenious because now when your girlfriend comes over and says or comes home and says, "Hey, can you stop playing games?" It's like, "No, I no, I'm this, at this work. is work." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm working right now. Can you leave me alone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'll appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, she's she's very supportive. She's uh she, she I was about to say she can't hear me cuz she has headphones on, but she looked over as soon as I mentioned there so i'm gonna stop i like how you turned you turned around to make sure it was okay (laughs) (laughs) so i mean do do you see yourself staying in syracuse for a while uh i wouldn't say a while uh we we talk about it all the time of like getting the hell out of here just because it's just like it's a place with nothing going on you know it's not a great city to live in and also i don't know people are stuck in their ways here uh, I, I don't like I don't like a lot of people that live in the Syracuse area. You know, it's just it's very like it's been one way here for a while, and people want to keep it that way. You know, like I want to see some evolution in the city that I live. I was thinking about like watching you doing stand up, and one of my favorite parts about you is like you always look very relaxed. Yeah, people like, say that. It, like it doesn't seem like anybody can get to you. Like it, I don't know if it's just you're you're laid back. You not that you talk really slow, but it looks like you process everything. Thing and then, like you think before you speak. Yeah, I try to. If, How'd you uh, develop that? Uh, I don't know. You know what? I think a lot of it has to do with, um, like, I still stutter sometimes when I don't think before I speak. But I used to stutter a lot more when in like middle school, and I had to like kind of develop, like, to not stutter as much. Kind of had to start taking my time instead of like, because well, like when I get excited about something, I do kind of start to, uh, you know, like get that stammering. But yeah. uh yeah, when I used to stutter, I was like, all right, you have to slow down when you start to speak because you sound like an idiot. And I didn't want to sound like an idiot. So <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And it just kind of just went to the stage where people say I do have like a cadence of like, I just like, you were funny, but you just like, you were so relaxed up there and just sounded like you were, we were having a conversation together, you know? And I don't know. That's just, I guess that's just my delivery style. Like, I think if I'm a, if, if I were an audience member and I came after you with like, I don't know, Hey, that joke sucked. And you just turned around and looked at me, you know, you're waiting to talk, but it's like, I would be like, Oh shit. What's going to happen now? Like, not that you're going to kick my ass, but like, am I absolutely going to be owned by this guy? Like, <laughs> it's like he's thinking about how mean he should be to me. Oh, like I, I can't get mean. Like I, I've done one roast. Like my favorite style of comedy before I started it was like roasts, like the Comedy Central roast, because I just love the like the joke writing aspect of it is like you have to be short and you have to be sweet. You know, it has to like whatever reaction you get, like any reaction in a roast, like you, you like you got them, you know, whether it be just a laugh or like a, Oh shit. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. And like, I, I love that a lot because I try to do that to a Abdul. Don't tell him. But, uh, <laughs> no, I just like, I do like the quicker stuff. So, like, I've done one roast in Rochester. 
and I did really well. The fir- no, I take that back. That was the second roast I did. The first one I did was years back when uh, KD was leaving. It was the first time I wrote like roast jokes, and I was like, "Oh, this is fun because they they're all your jokes, and they have to be quick." I love that quickness, you know. I can't see you doing it. Like I, no. I just don't. No, and it, you know, I don't know why. I just uh, you know, uh, I just see you as a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wonder if that's like if it's just unassuming. Yeah, no, like I, ah, I want to do another roast now because I'm just thinking about. I just want to prove you wrong. <laughs> I did. I, I did two in Utica. Yeah, last year. Yeah, I won one, and which is such a gratifying feeling because I went through that like like they put me on the show because I was a nice guy. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, let's see what happens, and you know, and I. I'm an overwriter, believe it or not. But like I had like six, I had like six weeks to write. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I saw the bracket. And I'm like, well, I know I can beat this guy. I better. And I put that pressure. I'm like, well, I better win. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I'll go in there very cocky and be really disappointed. And thankfully I did win. But like, that was the motivation was like, oh, they just think I'm a nice guy. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to see how mean I can get. And then the next time I went back, I, I lost in the semifinals, something like that to, to somebody I, I didn't know. Yeah. So I'm like, whatever. What can you do? Yeah, I, I we, there aren't a lot of them in this area. Like, I mean, they do a shit ton of them in the city. But I know Rochester, like the Carlson, every year they do like some sort of roast battle. Uh, I mean, obviously not this year, but like last year, uh, like I didn't do it because I didn't, I didn't really care about the format because it was like, like once you signed up, you had to like write like five things about yourself to like send to the other person you're roasting. Oh, that which, sucks. Which I understand, but cause like people are coming from everywhere doing it, but it was like, I'm like, no, that's, I'm, Come up with your own ammo. Well, you know? we got, we've got Facebook. We have Google, right. YouTube. Like you, we, we know each other's friends. Like we can, exactly. you can find a way. Yeah. So like, I didn't really care for that, which I, I guess the, the year before that people were having trouble, like knowing stuff about, but just like, you can literally just look at somebody and write 20 jokes about them. They just have to be clever, you know, or good or whatever. But yeah, but if they do one again next year, no matter what it is, I'm going to do it because I do love that that form of comedy. Well, I used to book them and I did one series. And part of the fun doing that was like to put people in Utica against people from Scranton. And then a complaint I got was that, oh, yeah, well, I don't know this guy. It's like, yeah, well, I gave you two months. Right. Yeah, exactly. You could drive to an open mic or, you know, go to an open mic at all. <laughs> Running them right like, exactly like you knew who you were gonna face for six or eight weeks like that's now it's your now it's your responsibility exactly uh you also work at a grocery store yeah during the day i assume you don't like working there but like no <laughs> do you like it from a certain point where it's like okay well here's where i get material and like this is a different kind of person so it's worth working there you know like at first I was getting a lot of good material from my uh, grocery store job, but then like my job changed and like a lot of materials from just dealing with people and I don't deal with any like customers anymore. So now I'm just there, but I'm in an area where I'm by myself for the most part. And I do get to like, just come up with other like types of material, which I can also just do at home. So no, I just rather not be there (laughs) at all anymore. But it's it's fine. It's you know, I feel like a lot of us have to do something to like we have this thing we love, but gotta pay the bills, you know. Well, I was also thinking you because you got a joke. It was uh, I'm gonna say I'm not gonna do the bit, but it's like you had a customer. 
I'm going to say she was politely ignorant. Yes. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, like it was uh, like a black don't crack type of thing. And yeah, like, like at that moment, are you okay with like the, the ignorance just because it gets you material? You know, like I don't even hide that. I'm happy that she said it to me. Yeah. Like when she said that, uh, she said she called me a, uh, a colored person. Right. I just like smile right to her. Like, thank, thank you for this, ma'am. Like it's, it's already locked in my brain that I'm going to, you're going to be on my stand up act. There's no question about it. So like for the most part, when people say things to me, no matter how ignorant it is, I'm just like, you're just fueling my fire. <laughs> you know, that's all you're doing. Well, I always think that like, like I got, I got stabbed. Now this was before I was a comedian, but like, like those moments I don't regret at all because I can bring them on stage. Yeah, exactly. So, so like my car, the engine broke down, like it blew out and it's like, yeah, that's a $2,000 bill, but I'll also get, you know, three minutes of material. And, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. It kind of works. Kind of works. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's just like, it's just like the weirdest form of therapy where you're just like, whatever fucked up thing happens to you. If, as long as you're comfortable talking about it on stage, like it, it does help getting it out. Yeah, it's like, would you change anything? Like, like anything that happened in your life that you brought to stage? Would, would you say, okay, well, my life would be remarkably better if that thing hadn't happened, but I've got five minutes of material. No, like, is it worth it? Okay, no, it's it's worth it. Like just having any kind of experience that you can bring to the stage is, I feel, I don't know. I mean, unless you get shot in the head and you live through it, I don't think you can use a lot of that. But just anything, anything else you can bring to the stage. Like, uh, like you look at Josh Blue. Yeah. Who's got cerebral palsy. And it's like, well, would he be as funny now if he was completely normal? That's, that's, that's a good point. I feel, you know what? I could probably get booked a lot more if I was still funny <laughs> yeah. after it happened. So yeah, if you had like a, a you know a scar in your head or whatever, like <laughs> right. you're missing part of your brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I think that's a, you just got to think the marketing aspect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's <laughs> fucked up. I, yeah, <laughs> but it's not. It's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Uh, which comedians did you watch when you're growing up that kind of inspired you? I, I want. I, I mean, my favorite comedian of all time, which. I mean, a lot, it's a lot of people's is Dave Chappelle. Like he's, I don't know, he's just so smart. And no matter what he's talking about, you're locked in to like what he's saying, whether it's going to be funny or not, like you, you're you're listening to him. But like, he's the easy one to call out. Uh, Do you know who Robin Harris is? No. You ever see the movie Bebe's Kids or heard of it? No, I thought there was a TV show. No, I don't think there was a TV show for it, but there's like, there's for sure a movie. There wasn't a TV show. Okay. I don't think, but like he had one stand up comedy special. And in that stand up comedy special, he talked about dating this girl. And uh, like her name was Bebe, and he had to deal with her kid. And he had this like 10, 15 minute bit that just turned into like, it was an animated movie. Like one of the fucking most ridiculous movies ever, but it's funny. And just like when I saw that, I was like, that's that's crazy. Like he got a movie made and like just like Bernie Mac, uh, that Kings of, like when he was on the uh, Kings of Comedy, like he talked about his his uh, sister's kids had a fucking TV show made off uh, the Bernie Mac show. Yeah. Off of 15 minute bit. He did like 
on a comedy special. Like that's that was fucking that's fucking crazy that when you think about it, you know. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense because like if you go back to like all those '90s and late '80s shows, like Roseanne and Home Improvement, Seinfeld, yeah. Drew Carey show, King of Queens, they were all based off like little bits of this like Comedy Central half hour. Whatever. Exactly. They just yeah. Bought them and they said, "Hey, here's some money. Go to work." Yeah. Like and that's I think that's fucking that's cool as shit. You know. And Robin Harris, he, cause he, he used to do like long before DL Hughley, he used to do, uh, in his standup, he would do all like a bunch of bits or whatever. And then he would just go, he would just start looking at audience members, like what's wrong with them and what can I say about it on stage? And he was fucking, he was killer at that. And he, he just exploited that my favorite style of comedy that we were just talking about it's just like roasting people like d.l hughley uh did it a lot and um but robin harris he was like he was so good at it and he was like one of my favorite comedians growing up but um uh, as far as like just stand up uh i grew up just watching a lot of people because i used to watch a deaf comedy jam with my mom on friday nights when i was like 10 or 11 years old and just remember just dying laughing with her at these like all these people just being funny, especially when uh like Martin Lawrence used to host it before oh, he shit. got he, Yeah, I remember watching Martin Lawrence when I was probably twelve, maybe. Yeah. Uh yeah, it was I, I don't know if he was wearing all black leather in his, his special. And I think that was the one he did, yeah. I just remember looking at him and like he must have been like five seven yeah. and like hundred and ten pounds. And I thought he sweat that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was unbelievable yeah but just like growing up watching deaf comedy jam it's just like being amazed at like how funny these people could be like i know you know who craig robinson is oh yeah yeah first time i saw him was on deaf comedy jam he i've never seen his stand up you know what they I, I feel like he's he probably took it off like just wiped any any reference of it because he did like a bit about <laughs> it, it's I, when i was a kid I thought this was the funniest shit ever, but you can't find it anywhere now because he still back then he was still doing his keyboard stuff like his piano yeah, bits. Yeah. So he had a bit about he was dating this girl and uh, her brother was special. And he was like, you know, like I I've really connected with this kid and uh, like I wrote a song for him. And uh, he was like, I'm gonna, this, this is like how he closed the bit, like his bit. He's like, I wrote a song for him. I'm going to perform it for you guys now. And he's like playing this, like this sweet, like piano melody. And then he just starts to sing. He goes, <laughs> and of course the audience fucking dies loud. Cause you just, you're, you're like, he's being all serious. And then he just fucking punches you in the head. And then he was like, he stops playing. He was like, it's not funny, guys. And then he just like storms <laughs> off stage. And I was like, yo, that, I mean, you can't get away with a bit like that nowadays. No kidding. But at the time, I was like, yo, this is, this guy is funny as fuck, you know? And I tried to look it up a few years ago. You can't find that shit anywhere. Rightfully so, because he's probably like, yo, I can't have that out there because he's fucking Daryl from the office now. Right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like, I, I, like I vividly remember sitting in a room with my mom and just dying laughing at that shit when I was like 10 years old. But I still at the time never thought that I wanted to be up there, you know? So is your mom happy that you're doing stand up? Yeah, she she loves that I do stand up because she tried it once. And like I didn't find that out until after I are like cuz she never talked about that girl like when I was a kid. 
But after I started doing stand-up, she was like, oh, did I ever tell you that I went up there and tried it uh, a couple of times? I was like, no, you never told me that. And yeah, she was like, I got up there, was like, had so much fun, but just got busy with life and just never, never got she back you. up there. Exactly. I feel like that's what happened. And uh, I had no idea. Because, like, yeah, she had me when I was 19, so she pr- it probably was when, me. When she, when she was 19. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she had me when she was 19. And, uh, yeah, I probably was a lot of, like, why she couldn't keep getting up there. But, yeah, she's like, oh, you're just... You're just carrying on what I wanted to do, you know? So she loves That's pretty it. cool. And, like, my whole family is supportive. And you went back, what, last year or 2018 to do stand-up in Detroit? Or was it – it wasn't Detroit. It was, like, Royal Oak? It was Royal Oak. That was early, That was January of this year. Oh, no shit. Okay. I lost complete track of time. What was it like going home? It was fantastic, like, being able to get my family to all the shows that have been, want, have been wanting to see me for years now and just having – like a club weekend gig there that I can like I got on my own, you know, and just that that was that was one of the best comedy weekends I had because it was it was the first weekend I started selling merch too, so it was just it was also weird having people want to buy like something I was selling. It was like I that that weekend was great, and it was like having that much fun doing stand up, and then just two months later just not being able to do anything ever again you know until a couple of weeks ago with you but yeah that was great i, I love performing back home like i've done it maybe two or three times before but it was just like smaller things like it was no real like it was no real shows but like once i got that week because i got the weekend like uh august like the end of august and I was just like, holy shit, I, just being excited for four or five months before it, it was awesome. Did you have like this, uh, I don't know, like this hometown hero type feel like, oh yeah, now now everybody knows I'm funny? No, because I, okay. I still just feel like, uh, I, I still feel like oh, I, could, I could be better. I always feel like I could be better. Because right before that weekend, I work, because I work with them, I work with them a lot at this point. Uh, I work with Greg Morton at the uh, Funny Bone the weekend before. And he's like, he, he talked to me a lot that weekend. was like, like, Justin, you're good. But like, if you just put a little bit of performance in your act, like, I understand, like, not everybody's going to do what I do. But just give that little extra oomph in your performance. Like, you, you could be, you can be, like, crushing it out there. And I, like, I took that to heart and started doing more of that. Just like emoting more for certain bits, and uh, like I was like doing, like trying to do that on like all the shows I got after that, and then just it just completely being cut off. It it, it sucked, you know, because uh, Mar- I think the middle of March was like one of my last shows. I don't even remember where at this point, but uh, yeah, just I, when that, that that last show we did a couple of weeks ago. Like I, we were all nervous, but I was like, I couldn't. Even, I was like, was I good at stand up before all of this started? You know, I was so nervous, and that was a, that was a great first show back. Well, I remember walking into that place and it was the Hornet's Nest, and like, I think it was you, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm gonna do this, and you're like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> like what, what what are you gonna stand to lose from trying? Like, because I tried a lot of new bits that night after not having done comedy for four or five months and it's just you gotta go in and say fuck it like who's gonna go 
who's going to think you suck, you know? Nobody. Yeah, like, I, I think, well, maybe one person, but it doesn't matter. Like, exactly. I think you have, like, you had the benefit of the doubt. But, like, at a certain point, like, yeah, people have paid us to do comedy before. Like, they've done it for a reason. Right. I mean, you could fool them a couple times, but they still invite you back. Like, exactly. it has to say, oh, well, you know, we're good enough to do this. Yeah. But that, yeah, that that first show back was it was a relief. I don't know how you felt after, but we're all on our way home. You said horny? No, no, no. All I came through, I was like horny. Like, all right, that's cool, Mike. Too, but we can talk about that on a separate podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that. It was it was a relief. Like we have another show later this month, and it's like I'm already in the mindset of like uh, I I know comedy. Like it's been a while, but it's a flow to it, as you know. And like once like once I was up there and I got that flow going, I was like, oh, this is this is easy. You know, this is something I know very well. I think it's just getting that first laugh. Yeah, it's like okay, I'm calm down because I've done three shows now, and you know, hopefully by the time this airs, more. But uh, yeah, I just I get the first laugh. I'm like, okay, I think I remember how to do this again. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate it. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Only thing I could think of to plug because I'm not sure where you're you're bringing yeah, get this. Your, your, your social media stuff, uh, oh, okay. Twitch, whatever. Yeah, so you can follow me on social medias. Like I'm on Choco Bear Comedy on almost everything, and then on Twitch you can follow me, Choco Bear Gaming. Chuckle Bear Gaming on there. So, yeah, can do you're that. Not, and you're not racist for putting it in there? No, I'm, I'm not, not. No. No, I'm not. No, you're not racist. No, no, you can You can do the Choco Bear thing. I'm perfectly can I, fine. Can I, say it? can I say it out loud? You can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this entire podcast was for me to ask that. <laughs> yeah. It's just a ruse. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. No problem. All right, man. I'll talk to you in a bit. Yep. See ya. Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in